0: Hey guys, before we start our podcast this week, we wanted to take a few minutes to thank a few of our sponsors. So first we want to talk about this New Breed Archery. These guys have really done a great job
1: simplifying a custom bow process. So if you're thinking about getting a new bow, these guys have everything that you want from the camo pattern on the riser to your string color and even your dampeners. Check these guys out, newbreedarchery.com. We'd also like to thank Steerka Optics. We have their S7 series both in their binoculars and spotting scope that we just recently used down kind of in southwest Michigan doing some spotting over some fields and they work flawlessly even in some low light really clear picture outstanding warranty. These guys are someone you definitely want to check out sirkastrong.com.
0: Lastly, we wanted to thank Hill People Gear. Uh, Jared and I have been using their Decker packs so far this year, turkey hunting. We do some whitetail hunting with it. And Jared, I actually caved and ended up getting the uh, butt pack this year, which I know you made some jokes about, but I'm excited to use it. It'll be perfect for my saddle hunting uh, setup that I've got going on allow me to go in pretty light um i can hang it in my tree stand i uh, have like access to some things that i might need sitting there so looking forward to it uh if you guys are looking for any type of pack or some other tactical gear that they sell to check out hillpeoplegear.com this is the most technology Whew. that we've done in a long time this is a lot right is this now is like a four-way call five five well five fi- way.
1: two two here three others wow this is a first
0: this is a first five way for me <laughs> <laughs> well guys thanks for taking the time to hop on the hot boga podcast today appreciate you all making it and like i said taking the time to, to talk a little bow hunting tonight
2: yeah, man. Awesome to be on. Thanks for having us. Excited to talk to you guys. I know you've been trying to do this for a bit.
0: Heck mm-hmm. yeah. And we have been following you guys and kind of being in touch and for a while now. But before we kind of jump into bow hunting and, and trad and everything else, you guys want to give us a little bio of like background, who's on the call and mm-hmm. what you guys do and, and who you are. You
2: guys can go ahead, man. You guys start. Uh, is Aaron on?
3: Aaron yeah, yeah, I'm on here.
2: What's
4: up, guys? What's up, buddy? You're up. <laughs> you first?
1: You're up
3: first. Aaron Uh, is A.
1: Alphabetical by age. Let's go. Wait. (laughs) Right right under the bus, buddy. (laughs) Yep.
3: I don't know, man. I'm just a kid that likes to bow hunt from Michigan. Wait. You're in Michigan? Yeah. I'm actually over in southeast Michigan near Plymouth. I grew up in the Ann Arbor area, and I just recently moved out to the Plymouth area. So yeah, I grew up here, grew up hunting up in the UP, spent a lot of time up there, hunt down here quite a bit as well. Picked up a stick bow. Let's see, this would be my third year of the stick bow. Awesome. Been a big bow hunter my whole life, and actually killed a really good, a nice buck my first year with a, with a recurve, and, and that kind of just sealed the deal, and it's just been an obsession from day one, and I live for this stuff, so.
0: So Aaron, you. you're on the east side of the state. We're in Grand Rapids area, so. All, yeah, yeah, Michiganders. Good to have you on.
1: should have made the drive, man. We've got a seat here and a cold it. beer. I love it out
3: there. The west, the west side of the state's great. I spent. Uh, my girlfriend went to to Grand Valley. My sister goes there now. So I, I spent a lot of time on the on the west side of the state. I love it out there.
0: The Lakers.
1: Yeah, my wife went yeah. there. My wife graduated from uh, GVSU.
3: Good
1: spot. Alright, who's next? You're done, Aaron.
4: <laughs> <laughs> my name's Chris. I'm in Pennsylvania, northeast part of the state. Gotcha. I've been putzing around three Recurse for like five or six years now but i didn't get serious with them until maybe like three years ago okay i don't know these guys helped me out a ton in the last year of my life and i guess now i won't go away <laughs> yeah like, the, like a it's bad gonna penny be a thorn yeah. like,
0: like a bad penny yep yep that's me
4: <laughs> no yeah i'm just i'm trying to kill something other than the one squirrel i've got so far So you know what uh, squirrels are
0: so hard to shoot with a, any yeah kind right of i mean they're harder
4: you? than deer right so i got one up on everybody
0: yeah, so I'm I'm in my second year of the trad life, living the trad life. The first, I mean, I would I start in July or June? Yeah, we got the them season
1: like halfway through the summer.
0: And so I would spend a lot. I mean, all my practice was either sh- target shooting or I'd go. I got, I call it my back three, my back <laughs> three acres. I shot at a lot of squirrels. I killed a, a couple, yeah, but it's did. not easy to do. No, no, they're quick, and they don't sit still at all. They don't. No, but you think about it, though. If you're hitting a squirrel, like, When a deer comes, you're picking which ventricle
4: at that point. Mm -hmm. I I hope so. Most likely, I'll fall apart, but that's all right. I'll (laughs) I'll, uh, do. I'll do what I can. But uh, like Aaron said, man, I'm just absolutely obsessed with bows. I shoot all the time. I think about it all the time. I, sh- I shot two 600 rounds this afternoon after work. I just I can't get enough. I can't nice. stop. There's something wrong with me.
1: Yeah, Did you no? say 600? I shot uh, two 600 rounds.
4: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm getting ready for the indoor. Was it um, 18 meter, 40 centimeter target? Yep. Gotcha.
1: That's great. So. I'm an idiot. I thought you shot 600
0: arrows. No, no. He's not Aaron <laughs> no, just, Snyder. Okay. Oh my Good grief. Yeah, that's just about 120. Yeah. Okay. That's still a lot of carbon downrange.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I, I love doing it. I just I can't get enough. All right. Well, that's oh, it, Chris. I up. I'm cutting yeah. you off. Yeah, you're done. you're done. You're done. <laughs> but that's it. All right.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, my name is Mike. Hi. Hi.
4: Hi, Mike. <laughs> yeah,
2: man. A little background on me. I grew up mostly trapping, a lot of hunting, duck hunting. Got a recurve. I think it was. I was nine years old. I got my grandpa's recurve. I could almost pull it back, you know. I think I started shooting when I was about 10 with that and started hunting when, when I was about 12 with it and went back and forth between that and a compound probably until I was 22, 23. Got back into hunting when I was stationed in Virginia. And
1: Wait, 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 wait. What base were you in
2: Virginia? In Quantico. Oh, wait, wait. Well, yeah, or, oh, well. Uh, yeah, when? Uh, in, in 2012, I was stationed there to uh, be an instructor for the infantry officer course for the Marine Corps. Okay.
1: When were you there, Jay? I was there in 2013 to 2014. So you were right around the same time.
2: Mm -hmm. Nice. Were you over at TDS, or where were you at?
1: I was at pretty much Base Tell. I don't know what that word means. What's Base Tell? Base Telephone. So we were on the headquarters side, main side, and we were up. We pretty much partnered with civilian counterparts through Centrelink, I believe it was. And then we managed the whole entire bases, phone lines, data lines, you name it. Okay. Nerds. You were like the nerds we, yeah, of the Marines. completely not what I signed up for, but you know what I mean? The will yeah. of the Marine Corps.
2: Yeah, I got you. I was just a gun nut that got stuck in there. You
1: know, I'm like everyone who says, yeah, I had my grunt contract and everything. Well, I do, and mm-hmm. I had it signed, but I have plates in my face that were undocumented, so they canked my contract like a week before I was about to head to uh, San Diego. So That's I can at least man. say I almost went. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I was almost a man.
2: After I got out of there, I just got sick of it, got out of it, decided that I would go all in on traditional and last. Four years, I've really been trying to get as primitive as possible down to uh, just uh, literally a stick in the string, stone
0: points. Stone points, even? Are you making them yourself? Or? Yeah, I'm, I've been napping for two years
2: now, starting to get the hang of it after like 3,000 pounds of rock. Um, <laughs> holy cow.
0: With the stone points, how does that affect your range or your the flight of the air, or does it not affect it that much?
2: Right now I have four points that I'm hunting with this year that are all within about five grains. Oh wow. And they all fly a little different past twenty five yards. But out to twenty yards, same as I would normally hunt. They hit the same as, as what I normally hunt with, which which is an ace broadhead or a VPA broadhead. Okay. And they're I mean they'll they'll pattern about the same, so
1: do you just have that one broadhead that's just like that red headed stepchild that you just hate you're know, like, Yeah, this one's gonna fly
2: crazy <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's the same, you know, every, yeah. every half dozen arrows has that, but unfortunately that's the arrow that I've had to shoot animals with a couple of <laughs> times. And I've learned my, learned my hard lessons, but it's not nearly as complicated as people think. It's a point on the front of an arrow, you know, there's not too much different to it. That's cool, but
0: still, like for the average guy listening to this podcast, a large portion of our listeners are just compound guys, and I'm sorry for saying just compound guys. Yeah, oh, come I on, mean, give me compound some guys. That, I mean, that just sounds super hardcore. Would you consider yourself the most hardcore trad guy of the primitive pursuit? group no no <laughs>
2: no Who's i don't the... like comparing <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh hey jared i'm the most badass guy no, and no. how about i just deal with that false no. <laughs> he's got of no, no, the buck down right now so i can't know. say anything
2: yeah I, we're all we're always learning from each other which is great it's awesome to have chris and aaron because we're always picking stuff off you know off each other i had a bad hit unfortunately on a deer the other night mm-hmm. had aaron there on the phone yep. spent to bend an hour later helping me out and trying to get on that deer we're always learning and playing off each other. I, I don't think there's ever a point in this where you stop learning.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy how much time and effort and thought goes into to trad traditional archery. You know, like I said, I I'm not I'm very new and have switched between different aiming styles and shooting styles already. So it feels like yeah, I'm I'm only a couple months into what I'm doing now, mm-hmm. which is uh, just crazy because, you know, it takes so many reps and so much thought. And you know, I think, Aaron, maybe you said, or Chris, like it's something you just you have to th- you think about all the time.
4: Yep, definitely. And you're always changing something. You're always trying to find something that, that works better or whether it be gear or technique or whatever form. Yeah, it, it never ends. I mean, man, I'm, I just changed everything on how I'm shooting indoor completely the way I, from the way I was doing it last year. And it worked and increased my, my points by like a ridiculous amount. I think I'm up 60 points or 70 points from what I was shooting last year for average. What did you change? So with, with that bow, I'm string walking. Are you guys familiar with that? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I string,
0: yep. I string as a string walk. walk. <laughs> last, if I previously did it in the past <laughs> tense, I string walked yeah. last year and recently moved away, and I'm I'm not. I, I'm wondering if that was a mistake.
4: Well, it, it depends. I think if if you're using it for like a hunting application, I think some guys use like fixed crawls. Yep. Mm-hmm. where it's kind of like a, a hybrid between like yep. string walking and gapping.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of where I was. Yep.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, for, for indoor, you string walk. But if I'm shooting my longbow or my, my recurve for haunting, I'm, I'm gapping. But with both of them, both styles, regardless, I changed from anchoring my, my pointer finger into my, I guess it would be my canine tooth, yep. to my middle finger because okay. when i was gapping if i'm at 20 yards and i'm shooting at like a 3d deer yep. with my pointer finger as an anchor I, my tip of my arrow was at like the foot of the deer target imagine trying to sit and look at a, at an animal that's alive and concentrate on on your tip being all the way the hell down there right and the vitals being what 3 feet higher yeah. mm-hmm. so i want i wanted to decrease that gap and a lot of the guys that i shot indoor with last year all all anchored with their middle finger so i did that and and man now my my gap is basically my, the tip of my arrow, if I'm gapping, is the belly of the deer right. at 20 yards.
0: So it just it makes it less, more fine tunable because there's less distance, right?
4: I, yeah, you know, I just immediately became a heck of a lot more efficient, right. like uh, a way more accurate, more consistent. And I mean, that might not work for everybody because it, it took me a while. I think when I first started doing it, I was smacking my lip, I was smacking my nose. I still smack my nose, but my nose is huge, that. so.
0: Yeah, I I smack my lip a lot. Oh
4: Yeah, the lip, the the nose is, like I said, I got got a a schnoz on me, and (laughs) and it, it takes some abuse.
0: Before we move on, I wanted to take a minute to thank one of our show sponsors, Pelican Coolers. These coolers are extremely tough and backed by a lifetime warranty. But what I like most about our coolers is that as tough as they are, they can be opened with the push of a button. So it'll keep the bears out, but you won't have any trouble getting in. And it gets even better. Right now, if you type in pelicancoolers.com slash hotboga, you'll get a free tumbler with the purchase of any cooler, and we all use the uh, 32-ounce tumbler, and it does an amazing job at keeping hot drinks hot for a very long time and cold drinks cold for a very long time. I'm going to do something maybe a bit unusual or something that I haven't done yet, but I'm going to throw out a James D. Guarantee, which is something I don't just toss around willy-nilly. I'm going to James D. Guarantee that if you buy one of these coolers, you'll have the best cooler experience you've ever had, and you'll be changed as a person for the better. Your life will be totally different from here on out. So don't take my word for it. Go check them out for yourself. PelicanCoolers.com/hotboga. And now back to our show. Aaron, are you what? How, what's your aiming style? Are you what are you doing? Gap?
3: I'm purely instinctive yeah so I actually played baseball growing up yep. and I think I think that helped me quite a bit you know I shot a compound for years obviously and I would say I was a pretty good shot with a compound and I yep. uh, shot a lot of 3d t- you know a lot of 3d courses and then I you know, I won that ball and oh
0: that was yeah tell a story about that just to, for a qu- quick story because mm-hmm. I know I know the story but only because I saw it on Instagram you want to yeah, that? yeah
3: so I mean long story short I was actually up in East Lansing going to graduate school and I had been following aaron snyder and he picked up a hoyt recurve for season and like killed a bunch of stuff and it was pretty cool and then he gave it away so i just like commented on the post and i was the lucky guy who won it so um, that's how i got to meet meet snyder and he sent me a bow and just shot it all summer long ended up going elk hunting that fall to recurve and just committed to it 100 percent awesome didn't see an elk on that trip unfortunately but it was still great and then killed that buck that fall now i'm just obsessed but yeah man I, i played baseball so i I think the instinctive thing just kind of comes naturally to me. I mean, I'm not saying I'm a great shot because I'm, I'm definitely not. I'm not the competition guy like Chris. You know, I don't think I've ever actually shot a, a true competition round. I'm more right. of a 3D guy and I'm just a bow hunter, so it's worked so far. So I'm not changing anything yet. But you never know how it goes. If I have a bad year, a couple of bad years, who knows? I, I would be willing to change my aiming style, but I right. don't anticipate. Don't
5: anticipate it anytime
0: soon. You know, it's when I I did kind of a similar thing where I, I switched from from compound, and I I've said on the podcast before. I basically like quit cold turkey, like sold my bow before I had even really sh- you know like shot a, a recurve that much. I just thought this is something
3: I you want have to try. To, right? Yep. I sold my compound within like two weeks. You can't of, have something uh, to lean back on. Yep. Yeah, I just knew. I just knew it was for me, and my buddy needed a compound, so I was like, "All right, here you go, man."
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, and it it helped for me. Because like I was saying, I kind of did a a little bit of a mix between a fixed crawl and string walking, where I had a knock that was set to 20 yards, and then I could kind of walk up uh, and down based on you know wherever it was, wherever however far my target was, and for me that was like super helpful to kind of make the switch between a compound where you've got pins that are your kind of point of aim to you know having the tip of your arrow be so it's like you have something as a point of reference, but. You know, like I said, this year I changed. I ended up getting a great northern fireball and just a guy locally here that makes an awesome bow. But E recommended trying something that I never thought I would try, which is actually a split finger instinctive. And when I say instinctive, I can't say that I'm truly like an instinctive guy where I'm only looking at the target. I'm sure my subconscious mind is taking into account the tip of the arrow as well i i know for a fact it is but i like it in kind of what you said playing sports and stuff being able to aim just by looking at something is was kind of attractive to me and not needing a range finder or anything else it's just basically your eyeball i thought it was kind of cool
3: yeah and I, I mean i think that's a good point there what you just mentioned about not needing a range finder or anything and it's different for everyone and that's what's so great about traditional archery you know and, and one of the reasons that i enjoy it so much is the simplicity of it yeah you know i i had five pin sights and ridiculous yep. stabilizers and i was buying <laughs> the newest bows and doing all this crazy stuff when i shot a compound and when i realized that i could kill a deer with a freaking recurve and one string and no sights like that was just the ticket for me for me I, I just try not to over over complicate it you know and and you can too at the same time if you you want to get you know chris shoots a uh, ilf riser and he's talking about shooting those 600 rounds and that and that's cool too man and that's what so great about traditional archery you kind of can just make it whatever you want
0: what i found is that the younger traditional archery guys are more, much more accepting and open to different styles of shooting whereas some of the older generation not to knock on and like over generalize but mm-hmm. like a lot of the older guys that I've kind of dealt with and kind of worked with for shooting and stuff I went in one to it to a guy and I was shooting you know like kind of this fixed crawl is type of deal and he looked at me like only an idiot he kind of said it in so many words would shoot anything other than, you know, split finger, totally instinctive. He's like, everything about the way that he shot, he was very adamant about. But I talked to guys like you, talked to guys like Aaron Snyder, and they're they're like, yeah, I mean, whatever works for you right. should be should be what you do. It's kind of the cool thing about it.
3: You know, Mike, you can talk about this too, but, you know, Mike's shooting stone point. Mm-hmm. I shoot a one-piece longbow with carbon arrows and iron wheel broadheads that are three dot, three broadheads for 100 bucks. Right and Chris shoots a freaking ILF rig with a plunger, right? So, like, and we're called... All ends of the spectrum. Podcasts. You know what I mean? We don't care, man. We don't judge people. We just love this stuff, and... I wish if there's compound guys out there that are listening to this, man. Like I am,
0: yeah. <laughs> Jared, Jared's compound.
3: You know, there's a stigma out there that the traditional world is like not welcoming, and right. We all do things a different way, and we judge people. But like I think Chris, Mike, and I are just a perfect example, of, man. We we're welcoming to anyone, yeah. And as long as you're ethical and not being an asshole and having fun, <laughs> like that's really all that matters. Exactly. Right, Mike? Mm-hmm. You guys
0: are kind of all over for styles of shooting, and actually, Mike, you haven't told us the way. What your kind of aiming and, and shooting style is.
2: I guess before I get into that, based off what you said, when I met Aaron, when I met Chris, and you know, see how they do things, the idea of what we do isn't to be like, hey, you got to be in a loincloth with an addle at <laughs> That's, not, that's
0: yeah. not the idea, you know. <laughs> yeah.
2: The idea is just traditional bow hunting, everyone's got their own different progression and way they're going to go about it. And if you want to have a four foot stabilizer off the front of your recurve and sights, do that that's cool would you would
0: you thing. don't you wouldn't judge a guy for having sights on a stable or on his uh, recurve no would you judge oh
3: well, no if... i'd be excited he's shooting the recurve in the first place
0: okay would you judge him if he used a thumb release no. because people do that if you
2: look at if you look at some of the the ways we used to not me personally but if you go back in the 70s and 80s where compounds started to grab their their foothold well guys originally switched to them because they're faster right they want more speed right but when you look at that and you see the things that they started doing to compounds well before that if you go pick up probably four out of five bows on a bow shelf that are pre 1970 they're all going to have slashes and the riser up on the sight window.
0: Oh. So they're going to have
2: holes for an actual pin in sight. I mean, people were doing this way before. There's no hate for me on that. Whatever makes you successful and gets you doing what you love, that's how I think of it. So, so
0: Now, when there was that, that kind of, we'll call it the schism. The divide Mm. compound bows took hold, and people were started, you know, going that route. Is that when trad guys went kind of tended to be then more traditional and stopped using sites or when did that happen? Because you know, there's definitely a point where people stopped using at least for the most part sites or like sighting devices. You know, do you have any idea of when when that or how that happened? I think
2: it's all just social structuring. You know, it's what happened through that. And there's nothing really that said, hey. Stop putting sights in your bows. It was just, well, we never did it, so you should never do it. And then it mm-hmm. just kind of passed on and on and on until it just was a thing. But I've got plenty of friends I'll shoot with that they have an ILF bow and they have a stabilizer on the front and a stabilizer coming out the back. They got sights on it. You yep. know, I mean, it's what makes you happy. That's all that matters, as long as you're bow hunting, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, last year I had a, a stabilizer on mine. I had that stokerized rds that, that little stumpy one yep. yeah that was kind of nice this one i i don't but okay so you guys we're, we're getting that out of the way we got shooting styles but I, I gotta go back to you mike when did you decide hey you know i'm going more traditional you know i'm gonna go stone points and and, and do that kind of stuff when did that happen and kind of what drew you to it
2: this is probably gonna rustle some feathers i think it has before everyone <laughs> knows what i'm talking about <laughs> the last year i shot with a compound i had hog sight i was sighting it out to 120 yards yep, i had yep. the stabilizer matthew's monster talk ah, to me 148 feet per second on 87 <laughs> or 88 pounds yeah i mean i had it all and i dropped a deer at 106 yards and uh, <laughs> i was just kind of over it after that i just i wasn't excited nothing anymore what i really realized when i did that is the only closer i could get this deer was 106 yards
0: you right know what i mean you know i had a similar thing it was just like i was sitting out there i'm like if i have a deer and again you know if people get upset like 70 80 yards that was that was my where i felt like i i was shooting I had that elite i think it was the impulse 34 i was shooting real well with it and i'm like if there is a deer within 80 yards i am for sure i'm taking a crack at it and then you kind of get the opportunity it's like oh back in the day when i was like 12 13 years old i had to get that deer close and even then Mm -hmm. it wasn't a sure thing no matter what i was shooting yeah i can understand that completely i'm offended
2: the the big thing that (laughs) always got me with compounds and always why i had such a hard problem letting them go because I grew up in a meat-eating family, you know, right. growing up with my old man, it was if you're buying meat from another dude, who are you as a man?
0: <laughs> I you love can't that. To
2: buy for your own family, <laughs> you know what it mean? Yeah. It was always by whatever means get done, whether it be with a compound, with a rifle, slug hunting, shooting buckshot for for drives. Yep. However you had to get it done, you had to put meat in the freezer, so I had to get away from that concept and just kind of come back to the basics. Honestly, I'm a, you know, it sounds kind of maybe prudent, but I feel like I'm a better bow hunter now than I've ever been before. Yep, because I put all that stuff behind me.
0: You know, it's it's funny. I've I've kind of had that feeling lately as well. Where I don't know, it's like a mind shift. Where you know the other like I've been out a couple times already. I've passed four or five deer now. And normally, like it's early season, I take a doe. But like lately, I just let them walk. And I thought they're close. If I'm just I don't know I didn't feel the need to take him yet and before I feel like I would have so I don't know how that ties in or what that means but yeah, I can I can definitely understand kind of the, sure. the, the change there
2: yeah yeah that's all it really was for me though just a, just a desire to do something different to make it harder
0: yeah all right let's take a quick break and cut to another segment of first steps with first light We've got Greg Farrell, product operations manager from First Light on the Horn, and he's gonna talk about some of the basics of scent control. So Greg, how do you approach scent control?
5: My priority with scent control is always going to be trying to hunt the wind. I go through a lot of steps to eliminate as much scent as possible, but at the end of the day, I'm never going to eliminate all of it. So I try and be really cognizant of which stands I'm sitting based off wind direction. And what I take into account is obviously A, where I expect the deer to be coming from in terms of, you know, are they coming from bedding? Are they coming from food? What direction is that going to mean they're moving past me? Um, Where is my wind ending up for that, whatever, three to five hours that I'm in the stand during the early season or potentially all day um, during the rut. So I really take wind into control. Another factor that I prioritize pretty high on my list is my entry and exit route. Obviously, as you're going in and leaving your stand, regardless of what you do for other scent control things, you're going to be leaving some scent there. So I pay a lot of attention to how I'm entering my stand and exiting my stand and how that intersects with where I expect deer to be moving. In terms of kind of the secondary stuff that I do uh, with regards to scent control, a couple times during the season, especially before the season's Starts, I try and keep my clothes as clean as possible. So I'll use a, a scent-free wash to keep them clean. Outside of that, I really like, and I've had really good luck using an ozone system to eliminate scent from my clothing. So basically anything that gets worn on any given hunt, I give in full ozone treatment between that hunt and then the next time I'll wear it. So that stuff comes out of my scent bag or scent proof bag, will go into my ozone cleaning system and then immediately get put right back into that bag so that it's not attracting or holding on to any other scent that it comes into contact with before the next time I go into the field.
0: Greg, thanks again for coming on and we're looking forward to hearing more from you in the future.
5: Absolutely, thanks so much for having me.
3: Can I ask you guys a quick question? Yeah. And Chris, I want to fill you in, dude. While you were disconnected, we got on the topic of old crusty trad guys. <laughs> and, and, I, and I explained, and, I, no, and I'm serious, and I think this is important for us to talk about. I explained the fact that we're the Primitive Pursuit podcast, right? And we have Mike shooting stone points and napping his own points and shooting a horse bow and throwing an atlatl. Yeah. Then you have me shooting a, a long bow with carbon arrows and and fancy broadheads and then we have you doing competitive archery with like ILF rigs, right? So right. I think one thing I want to get out there is to the compound guys is like that stigma is, it's not true, you right. know. And so I guess from there, you know, my question to you guys, so one of you guys shoots trad and the other one's compound, is mm-hmm. that correct? that's correct, yep. yeah. What is your perception of the traditional archery community, you know, cuz You mentioned a majority of your listeners are are compound guys, you know. So can you just talk a little bit about, like, what your perception of the traditional community was before you grabbed a stickball and then what do you think about it now, you know, and what what can we really do to uh, just be more welcoming to to compound guys as a whole?
0: You know, it's it's funny because uh, I think, Mike, you were saying growing up, you had that mindset. It's like you go out and, like, you get the most effective way to kill something. And so growing up, I had, uh, like, an uncle who did trad uncle george Jared. Mm-hmm. and he and a couple of buddies would come up to deer camp every year and i remember this i felt like they just were just wounding deer like they would go out and i i would think uh oh, you know they had these weird stick bows that's just ridiculous and they would go out and they would wound deer and it just wasn't an effective way to kill you know fast forward years and years i'm shooting hunting with a compound and me and jared's good buddy and and my cousin he just up and switched to a recurve mm-hmm. and he dogged me for a couple of years uh hey man you got you got a try this. You got to try it. You got to shoot. You got to try it. it started slowly changing like oh that's kind of a you you can kill stuff with it I I started seeing stuff on Instagram and other social media outlets like these guys are actually getting it done you know a lot of guys talk about seeing that Snyder switched and he wrote that big article and I watched um, the thing that really pushed me over the edge was me getting a recurve (laughs) I convinced you to get a recurve whatever no I watched that the push made that it's like a two hour long video about everything recurve or or everything traditional and I watched Watching, I'm like, you know, I think I could do that. I, I had struggled with target panic for a while, and I just was getting sick of it. And then I'm like, I'm, I'm just gonna try it. But up, like I said, did, going back to your question, it was like, I don't know if, I don't know. It's just like these weird group of guys on the fringe, you know, that are shooting trad, and I just don't know much about them. You know, I feel like I don't know enough to even talk to them. Mm-hmm. Like they're not even gonna be willing to answer my questions. Uh, which, you know, now that I've jumped in, is as far as you can be from the truth because everybody that I've talked to, about they're like they 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 could talk to you for two hours that's almost the Mm -hmm. problem where you can't get anything else done with your day if you ask somebody a question about tillering or you know aiming or you know three under or split finger so that's i I guess that's my perception uh, making that switch being two years in it's you know it's it's not just these guys wearing flannel not really killing anything it's not such an exclusive club either it's it's pretty welcoming and it's pretty informative and helpful
3: yeah i mean i think you said it really well man i think it's probably the most welcoming community that i've ever been exposed to in my life It, you know that's a message to the compound guys it's like every if you find a guy who's shooting a stick bow it doesn't matter if you're at a 3d range or an indoor range it doesn't matter if you yeah. know someone who's shooting a, a recurve or a longbow they are probably so passionate about it right hmm that if you went up to them and asked them a question, they would, like you said, they would talk to you for two hours. And I don't think that we get that. You know, I don't think that's how people view us. It sucks, man, because I had the same viewpoint. You know, I was like, oh, my gosh, these guys are just elitist, and they don't, you know, they look down on compound guys and all this stuff, and it's just so far from the truth. Yeah. You know, and, and anybody who shoots traditional archery is willing to help and is passionate, and right. that's kind of my two cents on the whole thing. But what you guys are doing is great. So
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny because there's all, obviously there's always going to be guys, right, that are just not helpful. I mean, there's that for compound, too. Mm-hmm. There's some shops you go into, and it feels like you're inconvenience the people in the shop <laughs> for asking them a question I, that's not to say that that's not true or that there aren't guys that are just going to harass you for wearing camouflage when they're out there and they're plaid and they said that'll work just fine it's worked for my grandpa like you said for the majority of the guys out there they're helpful and it's it's just fun that that was kind of the, the other thing that drew me to trad bow is just it's fun to practice it's fun to get out there and shoot for an hour Whereas you know the compound, I just would get tired of it after a while.
4: Not only is it fun, but the, the cool, the fun people are involved too, so that yeah. that, that helps out. But <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned something like uh, the push video and stuff, and way back when, when people might not have been. As fit as efficient with killing yeah. with with the, with the trad bow as I think the internet has a lot to do with that. Like there is such a wealth of information and the stuff that Matt and Tim are putting out, and then people like like Tom Clum and yeah and, and those guys. I mean like there's so much good information out there that like seriously I went two years I I, I, I traded a, a Matthews DXT for a nice. Hoyt Game Master right. Oh yeah yeah that's a good trade. I had this Hoyt I didn't know anything about aero tuning. I went out and bought some uh, Easton legacies and I was flinging arrows and I could barely hit a two foot by two foot target for two years right Mm -hmm. and then i then i stumble on the push video three years ago or whatever it was when they put it out that snowballed (laughs) that got me started and then the next thing i know i'm finding out about masters of the bear and all that stuff and there's just there's so much good information out there for people to learn the correct way and correct form so they're not screwing themselves up and they're accurate yeah Mm -hmm. you know that's i think that's huge and i don't think that was around back in the 60s and 70s i think people were just Flinging sticks and hoping for the
0: best. Well, and I think there was—I mean, part of trad. So, 60s and 70s. I mean, that was. Well, I feel like a lot of people are instinctive shooting, and to be really good at as an instinctive shooter, you need to do it a lot, and for a long time. Like it takes yeah. reps to get good at, and that's yep. where that's where I'm at right now. I'm putting in a lot of reps. And, Jared, you were just saying, like, it, I can shoot, I can have a great shot, mm-hmm. but not always, and which is very different than the, the fixed crawl and the, the string walking where I feel like, you know, it's, it's more aiming. But I'm wondering if, you know, back then, if, if a lot of the, the guys that you heard or saw just weren't putting in the time. You have to put in a lot of time. Well, and now, like you mentioned, we've got guys like Tom Clum. Which, by the way, Jared, I think Hot ha- ha- Boga needs to send me to uh, one of his classes. Oh, That'd deal. be pretty sweet. But <laughs> they, I mean, they have—they're taking these uh, competition archery styles of shooting and helping guys that are compound sh- or, uh, sorry, that are just hunters uh, with a trad bow. And it's—it's it's making a huge difference. It's making them way better.
4: Definitely, I, I think uh, well, Tom's a, a level four coach, and. We lose Chris again. Shoot! So, Dang
0: it, Chris! Kidding. That I thought it was like a great pregnant pause. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Should I stop talking? You're, in,
1: you know what, Chris? You're in timeout.
0: <laughs>
4: Maybe you shouldn't edit
0: that. Just leave that one in. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys,
1: guys, Chris is in timeout.
4: So he was talking too much. Hang
0: yep. up. It was funny because it cut out right when you paused, <laughs> and I'm like, "Wow, dude, he knows how to build suspense." Yep. This guy.
4: Hot Boga doesn't like Chris. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess what I was getting at is like yeah, they're they're taking all that stuff like you were saying from the target archers, like Coach Lee from USA Archery and and, and getting that good information and applying it to bow hunting and stuff. It's awesome. So yeah, cool.
0: Yeah, it, it helps a ton too. And that's just such a big thing. And like you mentioned with the internet and I mean forums and videos and like there is so much information out there. We are so blessed with the amount of information it is. we're
4: accessing. It's access. really helpful. Yeah. Yep. As long as you can weed out the good stuff from right.
0: the bad. There's bad and there's
1: is good and you got to know how to differentiate. Did I just make up another word? No, no, the differentiate is <laughs> definitely a word. I it. make up a lot of words on the podcast. Quite conveniently is, is one of my favorite yep. ones. Yep. Um so just flo- just go with it.
4: As long as it works, you yep. roll with it. That's so. right.
0: I got to ask goats. Which which one of you is the goat guy? That's me. Tell me about <laughs> goats cuz I've been following that and it's That's hilarious. Me. Uh well, how did you get into goats?
2: All right. So with goats, they're bred specifically to pack right and by packing i mean pack weight like you would load a mule right with panniers yep it's the exact same thing but with a goat the nice thing about a goat is they're a very free spirited animal mm. extremely independent so there's no making sure that they don't run off or doing this and that they're not going to go my wife's actually walking by right now the horns on her head, and like big eyelashes, because that's what they do.
1: Um.
3: <laughs>
1: I breed James's to do the same thing. Hey, by the you, way, you don't breed; they're I mean, very just, just very edit free-screen. that out. There's no breeding <laughs> happening here. Sorry, I raised them. <laughs> Thank <But they're>, you, <laughs> uh,
3: man. They're they're great.
2: they're I, I've only had these guys for about four months now. They're six months old. I don't have them packing yet. We've done a little framework and stuff, but. We can't actually pack with them up to 25 to 30% of their body weight until they're about four years old. But at 300 pounds, if I can get a 30% packer talking 100 pounds of meat packing out to between three to to five goats, I'm packing an elk out of the mountains.
0: That's awesome. Are you going to bring them out west?
2: Yes. Yeah, I've got a trailer that I've modified for them and everything. Uh, They're a huge time investment. But the coolest thing is – in the training for them to do this you have to teach them a little bit of etiquette so like how to go with and hunt and right how to act when you're trying to sit still and wait for an animal we've been doing it last night was actually their first night out before that we've been taking walk just through the hills back here in virginia and seeing what would happen right deer will jump right they'll jump up just like you kick a deer up out of a bed or something like that go run 15 20 yards and stop like goats and go back to life free rain on taking a shot
0: wow that's your secret weapon
2: that's my secret weapon this year potentially i drew back on a buck last night that was behind kind of a like a y wedge trunk of a big oak tree
0: yeah
2: i never really got a shot on him so we tried to run down the small mountain here and cut him off in a ravine but he caught onto it and ended up running in different directions but so far they're doing very well. It's just it's a lot of training. It's just like training a good gun dog. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you need more than one gun dog essentially, two to three to 10 times the amount of training depending on how many goats you have.
0: You ever see the movie Jeremiah Johnson? I have. You know the <laughs> part where he's like, Hor- uh, "I don't know how many feet a horse has" cuz he shoots off the back of his uh he hops down behind his horse and he shoots. I feel like that's similar <laughs> to the goat situation mm-hmm. that you got.
2: Being an ungulate once they kick one up and they turn back and see something with horns, they don't seem to freak out.
1: How do the goats do on the uh, the terrain out west?
2: I don't know personally because I haven't had them out west yet. Okay. But one of the breeders that I've worked through put me in contact with a gentleman named Mark Warrenkey who yep. owns packgoats.com He's got a lot of great info, a lot of good YouTube videos. He's a guide. That's what he does for a living. He gets people on big-ass bull elk mm-hmm. every year. He runs his goats is a business essentially i mean they're packing in bowls and packing out bowls they do fine as long as you're maintaining them conditioning them yeah he runs with his i think three miles a couple times a week like actually running
0: so he jogs um, and he's he's jogging with a bunch of goats with him he's
2: running with his goats yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is it's awesome silly. and we get looks and we go up to the national forest and we just take them hiking and we get looks but it's silly because we posted something the other day on facebook and like people are laughing and stuff about it but no, I'll be the one laughing when I see you on the side of the mountain. Heck yeah. Heck yeah!
0: You know, I love I love the guys that have these great plans because mm-hmm. this is a great plan. How when you're hunting with them, when you're you, you you said you went out last night, are you just still like still hunting with them? Or are you just walking with them, or how, how are you hunting deer with with your goats?
2: What we did last night is we packed down the mountain behind the house, just looked for sign. I found sign. We hung tight for probably 20 minutes. or saw so, a little bit of movement, probably about 200 yards away. Mm-hmm. Slowly start making the way over there, which is kind of hard because naturally you want the goats to follow behind you. You don't want them in front of you in case you got to take a shot or right. something happens. So, you know, at first the deer will see you and then you just duck. All they everything else. But <laughs> it's, it's essentially I'm just
0: spotting stalking right now. So I think you're onto something. I know. I'm really intrigued by that. It's been fun.
2: They're endless entertainment. Like I said, we're working on etiquette right now. So, as soon as I sit down, I try to like stay still. I've got goats trying to eat my ears. They're trying to eat, my, <laughs> eat the silencers on my bowstring and they're the <laughs> on the arrows. I mean, they're always hungry. So, do so, they have any names? Yeah. So, um, right now I have Cash. Yep. He's a Kiko boar mix okay. He'll probably end up being about 230 to 240 pounds Big boy Big, big, horn, big horn boy I've got a, an Alpine, a purebred Alpine With the Switzerland jeans in them He'll oh, end yeah. up probably being about 300 pounds big And then boy. I have an American La Mancha Who will end up about 325 Holy cow, that's a big and his name is Wally The The Alpine's name is Geronimo, Geronimo.
0: I was going to say, I've, <laughs> seen I've seen
2: Geronimo him. Yeah, you've seen Geronimo, he looks kind of mean <laughs> the other one is Wally. He's earless and fearless. So.
1: Who gives you the most
2: grief? It's probably Cash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Dang it, Cash! Yeah.
0: Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's really so. awesome. So you're yeah, it's, it's
2: super fun. And anyone that's interested, I always recommend you look at North American Pack Goat Association or uh, packgoats.com. They got a bunch of info.
0: I'm gonna have to check. Jared, you got some. I was just in your backyard shooting. You got some room for goats back there. Yeah. Think how right. much your kids would love goats.
2: Yeah,
1: they would love a lot of things.
0: They would love a lot Everybody
2: of things. Everybody needs goats, man. You should get some. You should get some. I think
1: I'm debating chickens at the point. Are you really? Yeah. I mean, that's. A, and I was supposed to. Remember, I was supposed to get bees? That you, never, ta- you wanted to be the apiarist, remember? <laughs> never that? happened.
0: How how come with the bees? Just never happened, man. You didn't care that much. Yeah.
1: I do you, love honey, though. You
0: know, you, Papa Bear likes his, loves his honey. <laughs> now, with with the bees, though. You could be really doing the world a favor because, you know, as a lot of people know, bees are not doing great globally right now. Part of your – How do you res- know that? How does? How do you not know that? I don't know. It's a thing. He
3: watches be- a lot of CNN. That's
1: Apparently. He goes that- into the dark side of the web.
3: Don't
0: you, don't you know bees are dying by the however many – millions? I don't it's know. because we keep eating their food. I think as a global <laughs> citizen, you should be <laughs> getting bees. No. You know, a bee guy.
1: Irregardless. Uh, so, Ooh, um, oh,
0: boy. So you guys are, uh, we we should probably wrap it up here pretty quick, but I got a lot I want to cover. So we're going to probably have to do another one of these episodes. But uh, what I wanted to talk to you guys about is hunting strategies and styles as a, as a traditional archer. So you know, there's one way of hunting that maybe you did with a compound. Does it differ at all with how how you approach stand setup, or or maybe whether you're still hunting or in a stand if you're with a comp or with your if you're with a trad bow? Absolutely, makes you a
3: be- it makes you a better hunter.
0: Yeah, it's a bold
3: statement, but for me, it couldn't be more true. Well, and how I mean, how I mean, so? Actually, I actually have a perfect example of it on Sunday. You have to change pretty much everything about the way you hunt. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you still hunt out of a tree stand, but you know, back in the day, I used to hunt 20 feet up, and I was worried about scent when I hunted with a compound. I'd mm-hmm. be really high, and right. I didn't really have to worry about cover too much because I was really high or scent or anything like that. And with a stick bow, man, you, you really want to be within 10 yards yeah. of, of a deer. And for me, the way that it's worked for me, and, it, and this has been pretty consistent with a lot of people i've talked to especially in michigan most days i'm only three sticks up i'm i might be 12 to 15 feet up in a tree actually on sunday i hunted in the morning and i didn't see shit and i was like okay this sucks i'm gonna go speed scout so yeah. i found some i found some fresh rubs i found three rubs pretty much on the edge of this bedding area with a compound i wouldn't have even thought to go set up pretty much in this bedding area and long story short i did I was twelve feet up right on the edge of this bedding area and I and I watched this buck stand up from about sixty five yards away. And he came to twelve yards and long story short, I didn't kill him, unfortunately, but, but it was a win, you know. I was in tw- I was within twelve yards of a buck and I was twelve feet off the ground and, and it's yep. like It forces you to do those crazy things. It forces you to be more aggressive because you can't just kind of sit back and take like 30, 40 yard shots. For me, it's made me a better hunter. It's made me a mobile hunter. You know, I didn't, I didn't have a mobile tree stand set up with climbing sticks, but when I shot a compound and, and when I started hunting with a, with a stick bow, like I had to do it, you know, you can't log around ladder stands and Mm-mm. stuff like that so for me that's how oh, i've changed as a hunter yeah i don't know
4: about mike or chris I, i'm i'm a big fan of pinch points, funnels things like that like like mm-hmm. something that's gonna direct the animal closer to me like 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 aaron said 10 yards i you know i want to be 10 15 yards away from an animal so i want something that's going to naturally push that deer towards me so i i love funnels i my stand that i'm Working on right now that I'm that I'm hunting out of is is, is exactly that and you and you know what I, I think I uh, I kind of used that method when I hunted with a compound for the most part that in food sources but right. but right. now. I really focus on funnels and, and pinch points and things.
0: Just so you can control their – otherwise, they could be wandering yeah, around mm-hmm. and you don't
4: know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I, I know where I'm at. They they come from two different sections, and they feed into me, and eventually they have to walk right by my stand. Yep. It's, it's rare that they don't. So, I mean, I, I like that, and, and it, it pretty much – Naturally, puts that deer right where I want it, 15 yards. Yeah. you, you guys? How, how do you guys hunt in
3: Michigan? Where do you, like do you guys hunt oh, nice farm, like 80, no. 100, 100 acre farms out in Grand Rapids, or how do you guys
0: hunt? Yeah. So we are mostly ninety five percent hunting public land. Yep. I, I, you know, I know you guys. are, I mean, bo- all of your states are similar. I, I don't, although I don't know much about Virginia. Like hunting pressure is so high that hunting field edges and things like that. Just if you want shoot a buck just does not does not work even w- even if you're on private land for the most part that's just not the best way to do it so our, our big thing and it's just been getting more and more kind of intensified is mm-hmm. we just get into that the thick the yep. thick nasty stuff where like you said deer are funneled down where there it's almost tunnel like in the 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 swamps where you know you, you maybe you have one shot and maybe it's 10 15 yards. Jared, your buck that you shot. You went in the summer and literally macheted it yeah. like to, so, to open it up in there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so the the buck that I had just shot back on the 4th here. Actually, it was it, it's a lease that our business leases so that it can take clients out, which is a, it's a nice gig to do but the boss said hey, if you want to go there and hunt, you go ahead. You can have free yeah. range. So I, I did hunt on it this past week, and they have stands all set up, you know, right on the edge of these fields, real close, nice walkway to it. And I'm big like, old stands. Big stands. I, I helped I've been stands. out there. It's you know, ridiculous. It's, it's luxury. But I told them, no, I'm going up on this far northwest corner, up in a swamp right near the lake. It took me an hour to get out there. Yeah, The saplings and weeds are towering over my head, Yeah, and I'm – I'm brushing, pushing through, and I literally only have maybe 10 or 15 yards that I can, first of all, almost see. Yeah. And then maybe one or two lanes that I can actually shoot at the most 15, 20 yards. Yeah. Because I know that those bucks are going to be in there. They're going to like that more dense woods and yeah. they're, they're going to feel a lot safer in there. And so luckily there was a deer run that was going right past the tree that I was up in the saddle in. Those type of situations and those environments are really where we're keying in on. Yeah. The dense thick areas that we know no one else is gonna go to we're yep. gonna go to. It's like
0: we're we're finding things and reasons for people to turn around. Mm-hmm. The swamp being a great example. I mean the whole walk out, you're in knee deep, what is it? Mile walk out and you're in knee deep water the whole time. Yeah, ankle it's, to knee deep. It kinda sucks to walk in. You know, the place that I went was a mile back, just straight back and it's yep. public land. And I just knew it's like this sucks to get out to. You're you're climbing over logs and under things and it just it's a pain. But when you get out there You have all of the woods to yourself. If you find a good thick spot where there's a good funnel, you you almost, I mean, first of all, there's a lot of deer in Michigan. So you're going to see deer, but you have a much higher percentage chance of, at least in in our opinion, and our experience of, of seeing a good buck. Yeah. So to
1: answer your question in a quick, short sentence, our strategy is going where no one else will.
0: Yeah.
3: No, that's great, man. Because pun, Michigan sucks. Yeah, I I, lo- I I love it because it's so hard.
0: You have to like if you get a Take buck. Pro- I take it.
3: pride in just killing a deer with a bow every mm-hmm. every year, you know. Yeah. That's how tough it is in Michigan and and that's like my thing is can you get it done year after year after year, it doesn't matter if it's a 150 inch buck or if it's a spike or if it's a doe, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. like that's how hard it is. But no, it's good, man. Have you guys been watching the uh the hunting public and Dan in the oh, yeah. um, public you know. land challenge. You
0: know, I'm on no one from work listens to this, so I can say it. But I always I have it up at work. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I have this well, and it, it's made me feel so, like, I feel like it's validated us a little bit. Because sometimes we're out and we're like, man, these guys, everybody's, feel like everybody's killing these big monster bucks. And we're struggling. I mean, we're working to get, the, the buck that you got, Jared, is the biggest buck that we've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Or at least that was a killable. Yeah. And now seeing those guys out and, like, they're really working and they have... From what I've seen, they haven't had success yet. It's making me at least feel like, okay, I'm not Mm -hmm. like a terrible hunter.
1: Well, I actually had a a guy from church come up to me, and I don't know how he found this out. His name's Tim Butte, so if you're listening, what's up, Tim? (laughs) He actually somehow found out where these guys were. Yeah. And so he actually went out there, and he actually ran into them. Yeah,
3: I'm I'm pretty sure I know where they're at. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he had a nice little conversation with them, and they chatted. So I'm sure I'm going to hear about it on Sunday here, but yeah. Yeah, it's awesome that those guys are here trying to get things done in Michigan. So good luck to them.
0: I know. I hope they get something because I've been watching. The reason I watched, I'm like, these guys. I mean, have so much experience in so many different places. What are they doing that we could be doing better, or we should be doing already, and we're we're not?
3: Yeah, they're they're getting out of bed every morning just hunting their asses off. Right. And that's why that's why they're successful. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's great to see but yeah
0: well why don't we wrap it up here guys we're we got to do this again Uh, i've got a lot of things i want to talk to you guys about uh yet we'll have to work on getting that set up but in the meantime thank you everybody for for joining us for taking the time to talk and why don't you before you go tell everybody where they can find you and i you guys sell some some awesome stuff i I run some of your whisper silencers and now i'm eyeballing one of those 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 tabs you guys sell too so you want to tell everybody where uh, where they can find you and find some of that that cool stuff you guys are selling
2: yeah so we're on instagram and facebook if you search at primitive pursuit will come up or we have our website primitivepursuit.com. we're on anywhere you can download a podcast you'll find us awesome. uh, for our episodes if someone wants to learn more about that stuff but yeah we've got tabs silencers chris is actually going to start making what he is making right now we're just waiting to kind of release it to the gp mm-hmm. or the general public um but he's going to start making flemish twist strings Ooh. So be making endless loop strings but that's going to be something we're coming out with soon if anyone's ever got any questions on both facebook and instagram there's messages gene you can there's a tab to call us and if someone's got a question or they're just interested i'm always willing to take the phone call and help someone out so yeah if anyone's got any questions just hit us up we're we're more than willing and honestly it's one of our favorite things to do is help other people and It's why we do this is to answer questions and get people into it so yeah
0: well the the, uh, the whisper silencers i mean i threw i threw them on my ball and you customized the colors you helped me match them to the rk1 that i was shooting and they look sweet and they they silence it like crazy that marina wool is awesome so yeah definitely check those yeah. out
2: i appreciate it that's a three year wormhole that i got into trying to find the best wool
0: Did you? <laughs> and marina was it huh
2: honestly the best stuff i get is is from columbia it's from Colombian sheep, it's very, very heavy. It will slow your bow down, but it'll quiet the hell out of it. I think I was shooting an X99 string the other day, just for test, on my horse, uh, on the hornbow Yep. And uh, I was at 227 feet per second. I put them on and dropped down to 205.
0: Holy so, cow! <laughs> but it's quiet.
2: It'll slow it down, but man, it's it's night and day for the noise. Yep. And at 205 feet per second i mean i'm not worried about anything so
0: awesome well everybody check them out guys thanks again thanks guys have a good night a good time
1: everybody thanks again for taking a listen to this episode head on over to our instagram page to stay up to date on everything that we're doing if you're feeling squirrely go smash that subscribe button on wherever you're listening to this podcast we and, appreciate it and that. tell your friends that we are hot boga
0: Hop-boga. hunting.com